Be More Human by Graham Brown. Key part of being more human is communicating with more humanity. So what I want to do today is share with you two great examples of leadership. And it just goes to show, and you'll get this if you take my business storytelling courses, just how important storytelling is to leadership. In fact, leadership is storytelling and storytelling is leadership. And I want to share with you two examples today, two personal favorites who I believe are two great communicators. In fact, it's unbelievable that we haven't really reached the heights of this level of communication since these two people have left us. And look at where we are now in politics, division, hate, and then you know, we live in polarized worlds of outrage. And yet, what I'm going to share with you is just how great storytelling can be. And I want to give you the first example is from Robert Kennedy, the younger brother of John F. Kennedy, who himself was assassinated not long after he delivers this speech. And this, ironically, this speech was one of his greatest ever speeches delivered on the eve of the assassination of Martin Luther King. And this was delivered in Indianapolis in a time of outrage when people were angry at the assassination of one of the greatest people of the 20th century. And yet Robert Kennedy delivered a masterful speech. And really this is a lesson in empathy. And we've only really seen this being repeated in the words of leaders like Jacinda Ardern following the Christchurch massacre in New Zealand. Empathy, real empathy and an understanding and being able to communicate that in a very human way to people to feel their pain and to communicate with vulnerability and to give them, importantly, a future worth building. Not a future of hate and division, but a future that we can all build together. So the first speech is by Robert F. Kennedy. And then the second speech is his older brother, Jack, or John F. Kennedy, who was assassinated. And this is the going to the moon speech, which I use in my storytelling classes, because it's so powerful. And when you think about making America great again, it's not about building walls. It's not about division. It's not about black versus white and creating chaos. But it's about creating a story we can all belong to. A story that brings out the best in us. Not better technologies, but better stories. And given that we got to the moon in a world of black and white TV, long before blockchain, long before internet, it just goes to show that we don't need better technologies or more data. We need better stories and better storytellers. And if you listen to the speech, think about this, that there is the famous anecdote that John F. Kennedy is walking around NASA command and he bumps into a janitor who's cleaning the floor 
And he says to the janitor, what do you do here? And the janitor says, I'm helping put a man on the moon. That's the power of a story and why we need leaders to take us where we need to go, not necessarily where we want to go. And as evidence from the fates of these two storytellers, storytelling leadership is not a popularity contest. But without leaders, we would never change. You cannot build a taller tower to take us to the moon. All breakthroughs are at first break withs. So there will be unknowns and there will be fears and there will be failures. But that's why we need storytellers and leaders to take us across the threshold into the unknown. But history is full of great storytellers and we must honor their legacy by remembering the work they have done and sharing their stories such that they outlive their physical form. And that's the power of a story that leaders don't scale, but leadership conversations do. So I hope that you enjoy these two masterclasses in storytelling and feel inspired and feel that there is hope. And also in this time of pandemic, that this is a time not to think of division and fear, but to think of engagement and thinking about the question, what is the shape of business, the shape of the organization, or the country and nation that we want to build? I have some very sad news for all of you, and I think uh, sad news for all of our fellow citizens and people who love peace all over the world. And that is that Martin Luther King was shot and was killed tonight in Memphis, Tennessee. Martin Luther King dedicated his life to love and to justice between fellow human beings. He died in the cause of that effort. In this difficult day, in this difficult time for the United States, it's perhaps well to ask what kind of a nation we are and what direction we want to move in. For those of you who are black, considering the evidence evidently is that there were white people who were responsible, you can be filled with bitterness and with hatred and a desire for revenge. We can move in that direction as a country in greater polarization. Black people amongst blacks and white amongst whites filled with hatred toward one another. Or we can make an effort, as Martin Luther King did, to understand and to comprehend and replace that violence that stain of bloodshed that is spread across our land with an effort to understand compassion and love. For those of you who are black and are tempted to fill with, be filled with hatred and mistrust, 
of the injustice of such an act against all white people, I would only say that I can also feel in my own heart the same kind of feeling. I had a member of my family killed, but he was killed by a white man. But we have to make an effort in the United States. We have to make an effort to understand, to get beyond or go beyond these rather difficult times. A favorite poem, I, my favorite poet was Aeschylus. He once wrote, Even in our sleep, pain which cannot forget falls drop by drop upon the heart until in our own de despair, against our will, comes wisdom through the awful grace of God. What we need in the United States is not division. What we need in the United States is not hatred. What we need in the United States is not violence and lawlessness but is love and wisdom and compassion toward one another. Feeling of justice toward those who still suffer within our country, whether they be white or whether they be black. We can do well in this country. We will have difficult times. We've had difficult times in the past, but we will, and we will have difficult times in the future. It is not the end of violence. It is not the end of lawlessness, and it's not the end of disorder. But the vast majority of white people, and the vast majority of black people in this country, want to live together, want to improve the quality of our life, and want justice for all human beings that abide in our land. And what dedicate ourselves to what the Greeks wrote so many years ago to tame the savageness of man and make gentle the life of this world. Let us dedicate ourselves to that and say a prayer for our country and for our people. Thank you very much. in an hour of change and challenge, in a decade of hope and fear, in an age of both knowledge and ignorance. The greater our knowledge increases, the greater our ignorance unfolds. No man can fully grasp how far and how fast we have come. But condense, if you will, the 50,000 years of man's recorded history in a time span of but a half a century. Stated in these terms, we know very little about the first 40 years, except at the end of them, advanced man had learned to use the skins of animals to cover them. Then about 10 years ago, under this standard, man emerged from his caves to construct other kinds of shelter. Only five years ago, man learned to write and use a cart with wheels.
Christianity began less than two years ago. The printing press came this year. And then less than two months ago, during this whole 50-year span of human history, the steam engine provided a new source of power. Newton explored the meaning of gravity. Last month, electric lights and telephones and automobiles and airplanes became available. Only last week did we develop penicillin and television and nuclear power. This is a breathtaking pace. And such a pace cannot help but create new ills as it dispels old. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer to rest, to wait. If this capsule history of our progress teaches us anything, it is that man in his quest for knowledge and progress is determined and cannot be deterred. We shall send to the moon, 240,000 miles away, a giant rocket more than 300 feet tall on an untried mission to an unknown celestial body and then return it safely to Earth. But why, some say, the moon? Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why, 35 years ago, fly the Atlantic? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone. And therefore, as we set sail, we ask God's blessing on the most hazardous and dangerous greatest adventure on which man has ever embarked.